New Orleans Saints offensive weapon Taysom Hill is getting to Michael Thomas levels of production in that every defense knows what's coming, but they still can't stop it. How the New Orleans Saints are developing punches and counter punches to get their Swiss Army knife going. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, CrescentCitySports.com, USA Today's Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. And today we have a special offer just for you. Get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. I'll tell you more about them a little bit later, but today's episode, it is Wednesday. So it's our film watch Wednesday episode. We're going to break some things down in terms of the punch and counter punch that the New Orleans Saints are building with Taysom Hill. We'll take a look at why explosive plays are still plaguing the New Orleans Saints and Looks like the Saints are still in the running back market, trying out four running backs last week, or excuse me, actually yesterday on Tuesday, which one might end up in New Orleans today, we'll discuss as we continue on with today's episode. So let's start off here with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, we know, had an electrifying game up against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Three rushing touchdowns, a passing touchdown, 112 total yards on the ground, 22 through the air on the big touchdown pass over the middle to Adam Troutman. So my question this week was, how does this all still work? And that's why in the in, in the opening of today's show, I mentioned Taysom Hill is kind of on that same level as Michael Thomas in that every defense knows what's coming, but they just can't stop it. And we spoke with Dennis Allen on Monday, who told us a little bit about why he believes that the Saints are able to continue to have this level of production with Taysom Hill. We'll hear from him a little bit later. The first thing I want to start off with is the uh, 60-yard touchdown run by Taysom Hill. Now, you don't have to look at the plays or anything like that as we discuss this. This was just more so my takeaways from re-watching those plays. The thing that was most interesting to me in terms of developing, let's call it the punch for this, right? The thing about the way that this play develops is that the Saints ran this exact same formation and effectively this exact same play call three total times in the game against Seattle alone. And we've also seen it before in earlier games this season. This is basically a jumbo set, which means that you have six offensive linemen. So you have your your normal five and then kind of a six guy. And then in tight, they had three tight ends, one on one side and then two effectively on the other side. But they also ran one out of the backfield in J.P. Holtz in all three of these plays. The thing to keep in mind is that there were a couple of variations of it. In some cases, they actually had seven offensive linemen out on the field. They actually did this twice. They had Lewis Kidd as an extra offensive lineman who basically clocks in as a tight end, as a jumbo tight end on one side. Same thing with Landon Young on the opposite side with two tight ends on the on the outside of them. Oftentimes, you'll see on one side of the field, those two 
the tight ends or the tight end and jumbo tight end are lined up right next to one another. While on the other side of the field, you see them offset a little bit. One is one step in and one step up on the line of scrimmage. And then one is one step on the outside of them and one step off the line of scrimmage. In all three examples of this run, the New Orleans Saints ran Taysom Hill to the side of the two balanced players, not the offset players. The key to this in terms of maybe the quote unquote rules behind what they did all three times in this is that they ran to the side that Landon Young was on. They pulled the guard from the opposite side to come over and block in on one case that was to the right on two cases that was to the left. So that means two cases, Cesar Ruiz was the pulling guard. One case, Andrews Pete was the pulling guard. The third and probably most impactful piece was J outside of Taysom Hill himself was JP Holtz being the lead blocker because my goodness is number 88 violent <laughs> as a blocker out of the backfield. Fantastic lead blocks on all three of those by J.P. Holtz. The three times that the Saints ran this, they were all on third and one. The first time they picked up five yards, or excuse me, four yards. The second time they picked up five yards. The third time they picked up 60 yards. So one of them was more successful than the others, but all three were successful, right? They all converted first downs. The other one just also put you points on the board. So this is an example of how the New Orleans Saints can effectively continuously do the same thing over and over again. And then eventually the punch is a knockout punch. Here's what Dennis Allen had to say about generating these types of plays as well by building what he's, what he's calling counter punches, and then we'll break down an example of exactly one of them. I think you're always looking to have a counter punch, right? You know, um, and, and obviously the, the, the verticals that we threw out of it for a touchdown is, is kind of one of the counter punches. And so um, that's part of the schematics of pro football and, and trying to stay one step ahead of your opponent. and, and uh, um, We'll kind of look at what we can do and, and what kind of change-ups we can have off of it. But um, I think each week is going to be a different week in terms of how we plan those things. Okay, so he specifically referenced the touchdown that they threw, which really was just kind of an all-go special, sort of a, a, a four verts. They ran with the uh, backfield player to the outside. They had one tight end that was in line that ran up the seam on the right side. They had a wide receiver on the outside run on the outside and on the left side run on the outside, excuse me. And then they had Adam Troutman come in and come by attacking over the middle vertically uh, over the middle of the field. And this is pretty standard to what the New Orleans Saints do. There's landmarks in terms of where those four players are running their verticals. The trick to this is that you can find this same pre-snap formation in a run against the Bucks and in a run against the Falcons earlier on this season. And in all three of those, Taysom Hill ran the ball. The other thing that they mix in with this is motion. So before uh, this play really gets going, there is a uh, player in the backfield who I'm trying to grab the number right now, if I can like see it a little bit more clearly. Number 88, of course, it's J.P. Holtz. J.P. Holtz was all over the place in this game. So J.P. Holtz actually starts on one side of the field, runs the other side of the field, and then comes back to the other side of the field, and they snap the ball while he's in motion. Usually, what the Saints will do is use the extra wrinkle of motion that challenges the defense to have to pick is he running behind the motion as with the motion man being the lead blocker or is the motion a decoy and is he running to the opposite side we've seen examples of this with the way that the saints have deployed Taysom hill since like 2018 right run with the motion run without the motion the defense has to guess if you guess right you're you're probably still going to give up some yards because it's Taysom hill if you guess wrong you're giving up some big yards because it's Taysom hill 
And he's got a lead blocker in front of him, a guy like J.P. Holtz in particular, who's been so successful. So in this, they they kind of blend the two. They give you a pre-snap look that you've seen runs with. They give you the motion, which you've seen run with, runs with. The Saints had already run the ball with Taysom Hill like seven times leading up to this. And instead, he pulls up and he throws to a wide open Adam Troutman, who's crossing over the middle of the field, while the linebackers don't even drop back to get nearly enough depth to take the throwing lane away because they're so concerned about Taysom Hill and what he can do with the ball in his hands. This is what the New Orleans Saints are doing to make Taysom Hill all the more effective every single game. The punch, the counterpunch. And no matter what, even when the defense knows what's coming, they still struggle to stop Taysom Hill. So that's a little bit about the success of the New Orleans Saints offense. Now let's talk about some of the things that haven't been so successful on the defensive side, the explosive plays and why they're being let up and who the most important piece is that the Saints could get back as soon as this week. We have that coming up for you here in just a moment. But now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, I love BetterHelp, and I've used it for quite a while. And one of the things that I've always said about it is that what I love about BetterHelp is that they make not only the process easy, but they make the follow-through easy as well. Sometimes it's hard to even get to the place where you're willing to admit that you that you want to undergo, or maybe that you can use the help of therapy, right? That was hard for me to admit. But then sometimes the process is even harder once you admit it, that it feels futile to go through all the hoops and everything like that that you have to go through just to get somebody that's worth talking to, that understands, that has a similar background. What I love about BetterHelp is that they take the time to make sure that they are matching you with somebody that makes sense for you. You jump on the website, you answer a few questions, a little bit of a questionnaire so that they get to know a little bit about you, and then they pair you up with a therapist that makes sense. And it's free to change therapists if that doesn't work out the first time. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's entirely online, which makes it super flexible as well. So when you want to be maybe a better problem solver, therapy can help to get you there, you need somebody to talk to, therapy can help you with all of that, just visit betterhelp.com slash locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n today for 10% off of your first month that's better h-e-l-p.com slash locked on all right family continuing on with today's episode of locked on saints we appreciate you so much as always make it locked on saints your first listen of the day every day don't forget weekly to go and check out the nfl key predictions here on the locked on nfl channel you can find that over in the locked on nfl podcast youtube page all that breaking down the five biggest games including sunday night and monday night football and getting you all the betting advice you need from the leading experts bet on Line. Once again, that is NFL Key Predictions over at the Locked On Podcast, Locked On NFL Podcast, and Locked On NFL YouTube page as well. So what's the deal with all of the explosive plays? That's the best I can do in terms of a Jerry Seinfeld impression, but let me do more than what Jerry Seinfeld does, which is ask you questions. Let me give you an answer. One of the things that has plagued the New Orleans Saints when it comes to this season so far is giving up uh, explosive plays. And our, our good friend, uh, Drew Prochet from over at uh, Talent Stats, sent me uh, a little graph here that shows how many explosive plays each team has surrendered throughout the season so far. The New Orleans Saints actually not that far up the list at 29. They're really only, they're within the bottom 10. So actually not doing terrible. But last week, six in a game, that's still a pretty big deal there, right? We're talking about the New Orleans Saints who usually maybe give up one or two of these things since like 2018 in any given game, uh, outside of, you know, a couple of games here and there, of course. But 
to be kind of in this number already, especially after last week's performance, it's a bit of a concern. It's something New Orleans Saints have to fix because if they want to build their identity off of what we just discussed, which was Taysom Hill and the punch and counterpunch and Alvin Kamara and all that other stuff, they have a lot of options in terms of building additional counterpunches around the Taysom Hill game plan. Gives on zone reads, speed options, fake draws, screen passes, all these other things. There's lots of ways to continue to build off of what the Saints have sort of already been successful with. But one of the things you're going to need on the opposite side is a complementary style of football from the defense and the big explosive plays that give up three touchdowns in a game. Those don't really give you that because then time of possession doesn't really work out in your favor if you're giving up big, you know, 60 yard touchdowns, 40 yard touchdowns, 32 yard touchdowns, all these other things. So for the Saints, one of the things that they struggled with a lot this past week were those uh, explosive plays, particularly in the passing game. And one of the reasons is really because of not having Marcus May out there. Um, Justin Evans had the one play, it was the touchdown to Tyler Lockett, the first touchdown to Tyler Lockett, or no, sorry, the one at the end of the half, where uh, Justin Evans just kind of gets he gets caught in this sort of conflict defender moment. He's got DK Metcalf over on one side, who does a really good job hit-checking Marshall and Lattimore, who tried his ever-loving best to get over the top of that play <laughs> when the safeties couldn't. Um, and then he also had Tyler Lockett over on the inside. And you can see as you watch the film, sort of from the end zone angle, you can see him kind of go over to DK Metcalf, but then realize the ball is actually going to Tyler Lockett. And so there's just some tracking stuff there. JT Gray is a guy that's shown some flashes in that role as a safety on the defensive side, but is majority a special team for. He doesn't have a lot of reps in terms of a, an offense that knows how to attack deep that has been surprisingly explosive like the Seattle Seahawks. So Marcus May becomes sort of the missing piece for you. You'll notice that even with Marcus May in the game, you've seen some of those explosive plays given up. You've seen them on the ground, you've seen them through the air, but not to the extent that we saw six over 32 yards against the New Orleans Saints or 32 or more yards against the New Orleans Saints like we saw this past weekend. So Marcus May is the answer for you, at least seemingly here early in the season. Hopefully the Saints are going to be able to get him back Hopefully the legal stuff that's kind of floating around him right now doesn't actually end up impacting the 2022 season. We've seen Alvin Kamara's, you know, uh, uh, court dates and all that stuff continuously get pushed. I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happened to that happen with Marcus May when it comes to that, especially with now all of the added wrinkles that are now going on with it too. So Marcus May ends up being sort of your best answer with all of that, right? Marcus Williams took away a lot of those plays because he was very experienced as being that single high safety who has good range and can get to where the ball is going. Marcus May has similar skill sets. He's not the same as Marcus Williams when it comes to that, but he also can come up and make some stops in the run game for you. You look at the big Kenneth Walker run, the 69-yard rushing touchdown. That was one of those times where you kind of wish you had Marcus May in there because Marcus May has shown a propensity to be able to come downhill and make those stops in the run game. So it's not just what he brings you in coverage. He also brings this to you in run defense as well because as you can see, Every now and then, you look at the Taysom Hill 60-yard run, you look at the Kenneth Walker 69-yard run, what did they have in common? They got through the initial line of the defense, and then there was nobody in the back end as the last line of defense to stop them. And that's where Marcus May could potentially be very impactful for you moving forward. The guy is adept, he is experienced, he is the guy when it comes to being able to take away some of those deep passing plays, but he can also take away the development have some of the big running plays that we've seen as well. Now, it doesn't all get fixed with one player. You have to have sort of the full unit working together to make all of this happen. So you're hoping that Marshawn Lattimore's injury, he had an abdominal injury toward the end of the game. 
uh, as he kind of made that play to try to get over the top um, in the third quarter um, on one of the deep throws that ended up keeping him out of the game or knocking him out of the game. So you're going to be watching for that later on when the injury report comes out. Uh, you, you need him there. Uh, uh, Paulson Adebo was the nearest defender on over uh, 180 yards of uh, receiving yardage, and that just can't happen. I mean, this guy was outstanding his rookie year, taking a little bit of a bit of a sophomore slump, but maybe some of it is because of the fact that he's still coming back from being injured earlier on in the season, which kept him off the field for the first few games, right? So he'll have to continue to kind of get back on the horse as well. Now, remember, that's him being the closest defender, not necessarily the primary defender. And some of those were him expecting help over the top that wasn't there. So again, Marcus May becomes the key for you. And I asked Dennis Allen specifically in Monday's media availability, how important Marcus May is to that. And he told us he thinks he's very important to that and that they benefit from having him back and addressing those explosive plays. So Marcus May coming back this weekend could be hopefully coming back this weekend if you're if you're the New Orleans Saints, could be the difference between six explosive plays, three explosive touchdowns, and maybe one explosive play for a touchdown against a mighty offense in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Now, the good news for the New Orleans Saints, three sacks in each of the last three games. Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is, I don't know if I should say still horrid or if I should say is horrid again, one of those two. Uh, But if Joe Burrow doesn't have the time to throw, then that's another way that you eliminate some of those big uh, downfield plays, those explosive plays as well, because they do take time to develop. So if you're able to get the pass rush going, you get that symbiotic relationship between the secondary and the pass rush. So just a couple of things to watch out for this week coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals. Coming up next, we're going to wrap up today's episode with a look at the four running backs that the New Orleans Saints tried out on Tuesday and which one could make sense for them and could even be in the building this afternoon. We got that coming up for you as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Saints. But before we get to those running backs, let's talk a little bit about Bet Online. Our friends over at BetOnline.net who have all the odds, lines, props, news, scores, podcasts, articles, whatever it is that you're looking for across sports wagering, they've got you covered. So go and check them out today. You can also find over at BetOnline the New Orleans Saints line for this game as they are one-point underdogs at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not going to lie. I thought maybe Vegas was going to look a little bit further down on the New Orleans Saints than this. Yes, they had a nice game, but I thought maybe they would hedge it a little bit because last week's game was against a really, really bad defense. But like we've mentioned, the Saints have done some things on the offensive side that make you feel pretty good. Clearly, Vegas feels pretty good about them as well, keeping this game to nearly a pick So if you like the New Orleans Saints to win or you like the Cincinnati Bengals to win in this one, BetOnline is the place to go to maybe make some money off of that bet. Get in on the action over at BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's get it, Houdet Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at the running backs in New Orleans Saints. Got a look at on Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday. So first of all, New Orleans Saints trying out four running backs on Tuesday. What does that tell us? I think that it tells us that now that Tony Jones Jr. was re-signed or was signed away to the Seattle Seahawks after the Rashad Penny injury, now that Latavius Murray is in Denver after the Javante Williams injury, that the New Orleans Saints still want to have a backup plan ready for themselves, whether it be on their practice squad or even on their active roster, just in case they themselves deal with the rash of running back injuries that they've seen 
across the NFL. So the Saints doing what they need to do to be ready uh, just in case. We even saw this, the San Francisco 49ers elevate uh, or sign Tevin Coleman from their practice squad to their own active roster as well. So the Saints looking to protect themselves pretty clearly here or and potentially maybe looking for another running back to get in the mix behind Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram uh, and Dwayne Washington. So here are the four players that the New Orleans Saints saw, and I'll tell you which one I think makes the most sense out of the four as well. And it might not be the name that you think. So 27-year-old Jordan Howard was back with the New Orleans Saints on a visit. They visited with him back in July as well. He didn't sign a contract during that time. Averaged 4.3 yards per carry so far in his career. Has been time, of course, with the Chicago Bears, Philadelphia Eagles, and a little bit of time with the Miami Dolphins as well. He's a player that's shown a little bit of versatility in terms of his ability in the passing game as well as in the run game, but he's a little bit more of a run-first guy. Big build, good enough for you to be able to pick up some yardage with and everything like that. So not a bad option. Saints also brought in Jordan Wilkins, 28 years old, spent most of his time throughout his career with the Indianapolis Colts, also played a game with the Tennessee Titans last year as well, basically made a run around the AFC South because he also landed with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, during you know a little bit of a stint as well. 4.9 yards per carry in the NFL as well, but hasn't seen a lot of rushings or a lot of rushes in his career so far. So he's been around for a while. He's very productive in the times that he has gotten those carries, but hasn't seen a lot of them. So it's a little bit of a small sample size to choose from. Antonio Williams, very young guy, only 24 years old. He's coming off of the practice squad, basically from the New York Giants is where he was most recently let go earlier this month, if I remember correctly. Um, only 12 rushing attempts in the NFL, but he did pick up 63 yards and two touchdowns on those 12 attempts. So again, small sample size, just like with Wilkins, but major production in the opportunities that he's gotten. He's also visited with a couple of other teams so far this offseason, but somebody to potentially keep an eye on here is Antonio Williams. And finally, they worked out with A.J. Rose as well, 24 years old from the Minnesota Vikings practice squad. Uh, hasn't really gotten a lot so far in terms of his NFL career whatsoever. I mean, does not really have any stats to look at or anything like that. So for the most part, he's probably the guy you put at the bottom of the list in terms of proven of being proven in the NFL. But is that what the New Orleans Saints are looking for? They're looking for the guy that's most proven in the NFL, uh, when which would be probably Jordan Howard in that case, or are they looking for a guy that's got more potential? I think because of the fact that you already have Alvin Kamara, you already have Mark Ingram, and you already have Dwayne Washington, who have been in this system for years and years and years, maybe NFL experience, although we've seen them lean towards veterans already, right? Guys like Latavius Murray, guys like Tony Jones Jr., who have experience within their system now, and then also working out Jordan Howard earlier on in the offseason, working out David Johnson earlier on in the offseason. Those guys are all guys that have experience, whether it be in the system or across the NFL, which you rule probably Tony Jones Jr. out of that sort of category. You think about Sony Michelle, who they also brought in earlier this offseason as well. But maybe potential is the way to go. And maybe you go with a guy that's got a little bit less tread on the tires in case he turns into something for you. That's why I think maybe Antonio Williams makes the most sense for you. Antonio Williams is, as we mentioned, uh, somebody that has been very productive on the little bit of uh, opportunity that he's been given so far in the NFL, just a dozen carries. But 60 plus yards and of course uh time you know a couple of times in the end zone there as well so you look back at his time when he was 
in the um, when he was in college as well, which was at Ohio State, North Carolina. Uh, he averaged during his entire career uh, 5.7 yards per carry, got in the end zone 11 times in just 202 carries. So this is also something to consider is that it's not just the NFL production that shows that he's been able to be productive. And some of this has to do with red zone touches, things like that. It shows that he's been able to be productive off of a few carries. It was kind of his collegiate story as well. Ohio State, 63 carries only, but averaged five yards per carry, found the end zone three times, and it had a total of 318 rushing yards on just 63 carries. So not too bad. I think maybe if you're looking at somebody to maybe keep on the practice squad, that you can maybe develop a little bit in your system that has a little bit of versatility as well. He caught, let's see how many passes during his collegiate career. He caught uh, 23 passes at a clip of seven yards per catch uh, during his collegiate career. Most recently with North Carolina, he actually caught the majority of his passes uh, with North Carolina. It looks like uh, bringing in out of the, let's see, 23 receptions that he saw over the course of his career, 18 of them were in his final two years with NC so or with UNC. So maybe just something to consider there. He was somebody along with you know some of the other bigger names that you'll remember from that North Carolina running back kind of uh, I'll say churn that they've had over the course of the past couple of years. I wouldn't call him a factory yet, but you think about him, you think about Javante Williams, you think about the you know running back partner with Javante Williams, all that. They've been putting out some pretty nice running backs over the course of the past few years. So maybe Antonio Williams is the way to go, but we'll see. Uh, one of them may have already signed. We'll find out uh, once practice is over with later on today. But for right now, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, tomorrow is crossover Thursday with James Rapine and Jake Liskow of the Locked On Bengals podcast, getting you ready and everything you need to know about the New Orleans Saints-Cincinnati Bengals matchup this weekend. Sure to be a fun crossover, so make sure you come through for that. And of course, we appreciate you as always making us uh, your first listen of the day here on the show. Go and check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show for your second listen today to get all that NFL news that you need in less than 30 minutes. Appreciate you as always making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.